0: You're listening to the IC interviews from the Investors Chronicle, and today our guest is Andy Bell, co-founder and chief executive of AJ Bell, one of the UK's largest investment platforms with over a quarter of a million customers, and at last count, just under £50 billion in assets under management. Since listing on the London Stock Exchange at the end of 2018, AJ Bell has been one of the best performing shares in the FTSE 250. So Andy, thanks very much for joining me today. Looks like looks like you're still working from home. Is uh is that the is that the setup across the the company at the moment, or have, are people starting to trickle back to um to the office?
1: Uh, yeah, we've got some people in the office. Uh, I think more and more people now are wanting to come back into the office rather than actually in the office. Um, you know, we had probably we had the same challenges that most most uh, companies had. Uh, on on the announcement that first week was fairly frantic. Uh, I think we probably got about. 15% of our workforce in the Manchester office um, and London office is pretty much everyone working from home. So, yeah, the Manchester office can cope with 1,000 people. It's probably got just over 100 people, 150 people in there at the moment. So, um, yeah, plenty of space. And, uh, I, I, you know, I guess like with, uh, with lots of other companies, I think we've been pleasantly surprised at, at the transition. I think staff have, have enjoyed it, uh, albeit... You know, it's not without its challenges. Uh, I, I think you know, the surprise for me was that productivity uh, is up, not down. I, I, I would have bet the house on, on productivity, suffering from it. It's not, uh, you know, sickness rates are at an all-time low. Uh, and I think just not having to get up and do that daily commute for a lot of people is a, uh, is a real positive. So, you know, I think, I think we're all sort of busily trying to, you're trying to plan what the new normal looks like going forward. And it's, it's hard to see. We'll get, we'll get right back to, to where we've come from.
0: I suppose, you know, not spending, not going out has had some quite interesting effects uh, on, on UK savings rates. And I think your, the research that um, your colleagues put out said something like around 70 percent of the British public may have actually saved money in lockdown. And for obviously for a savings and investment platform group, that would seem like a a positive development. But I mean, h- how how should we really understand this? Do you think do you think this is this kind of short term hunkering down? Well, as you say, before we adjust to the new normal and that there's you know plenty of real financial pain to come, or uh, this year's events have maybe has sort of brought a step change in in household and and personal finance and how that's managed.
1: Yeah, I think as ever with these questions, there's no there's no one simple answer. Um, everyone does it differently. I think I think you know, there's a number of things that we've seen. I, I would say first and foremost, the interesting bit for us has been I think the you the pandemic, the lockdown has been one of those life events that, that we all look, we always look to as a, as a platform. Often consolidation is the driver of a, of a new customer coming to us and that consolidation is often driven by a life event, be it a, a you know, new job or an inheritance or a divorce or whatever it might be, retirement. Uh, and I think COVID-19 fits very much into one of those life events where people have just stopped on the tracks and thought, you know, I need to go and check. Uh, are my finances in order? Uh, whilst there has been a you know, very paternal approach uh, from government over over the period, I think everyone's realised that there's only only so long that, you know, that that can last. And I think probably interestingly compared with the other life events, as I would call them, uh, people have actually had the time to do something about it. So they've actually been at home, bored stiff and thought, actually, you know what, I will actually go out. And then, so we've seen as an industry, uh, you know, particularly we, we, we've seen lots of new business coming through. Uh, you know, it, it was... This all started probably the worst week in the year for firms like us. You know, 23rd of March was almost certainly the start of our busiest week that we have every year. Mm. It's in that tax year end, uh, so you could have been forgiven for thinking actually a lot of the activity was was tax year end led and people just getting around to it. It's carried on beyond the tax year and it feels very different to what it was last year. Albeit last year was you know had a very long Brexit shadow over it when it came to people. Sure saving and investing this year, it's just felt as though something's different. The question we're asking ourselves is, you know, is this permanent or is it just mm-hmm. a, a lockdown uh, fact? And I think then you flip to the other side and say, okay, what what you know is the individual behaviour like in terms of savings and investments. I do think, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to, you know, when we actually sit back and reflect on this, whether the Chancellor looks and thinks maybe some of the you know, the job retention scheme might have been a bit a bit too generous. Um because uh, yeah, actually, people haven't had commuting costs; uh, mm. they've not going out. Actually, they've not needed anywhere near eighty uh, percent of of their earnings to actually survive. Now, you know that that's a generalist uh, statement. There'll be some people who've got who've got the same challenges, but uh, you know, I think it's not hard to see. Uh, you know, when you just think logically, actually, why so many people have, have saved money. And I think also the other stat that came out of the research was the um, was the amount of people who are paying off. Uh, credit card debt. And you can sort of see, again, logically, people have got the mortgage holiday and thinking, actually, I'm not spending any money. What we'll almost do is refinance uh, our credit card debt into into our mortgage. So by not paying your mortgage for, for three months, I think a lot of people have diverted that money straight onto the credit cards, got the credit card debt down mm. and uh, moving the debt over onto the mor- onto the mortgage uh with a with a three month longer term so actually very sensible and very good financial planning in in our view so lots of different moving parts as ever but you know actually i think at the moment you know for the period we're in you know we clearly and again it's always difficult generalizing because you'll you have people you know shouting at the uh the ipod or whatever they're, they're actually listening on this and some <laughs> people have really suffered but in the main sure. a lot of people out there who, who, who've done okay i think you know, the future may look very different for people, but at the moment, I think a lot of people are, are are getting by.
0: Yeah. What's What's your hunch then on on the the future? I suppose being the the relatively near term future, and you know, when we're looking, regardless of the the sort of generosity or otherwise of of the furlough schemes currently in place, that scheme has an end date set now, hasn't it? So, yeah. so do do you think we've seen lots of prudent financial planning and and uh, sort of people getting on top of their finances, kind of tacitly? aware that they actually may be losing, you know, there may be a threat to their job in the, in the coming months and things really are going to get tougher from here on.
1: Yeah, I guess a lot depends on the industry that people work in. Sure. Some industries, as ever, that people thrive in and, and other industries where you really look and say, wow, you know, they are going to have a challenge. And I think this will be an event that people look back on for years to come and say, you know, any industries or businesses that were failing before the pandemic, you know, all this did was really you know put them out the misery and and avoided a long slow uh, decline as as i'm sure will be the case so it really depends on you know you can get quite optimistic in some sectors and quite pessimistic in in others you know you look at you know hospitality is going to be a challenge going forward uh, it's difficult to make money at the best of times in hospitality you know if you're trying to you know service a loan beforehand maybe you've taken on one of the loans um, as as part of the support schemes uh, you're trying to operate on on reduced uh, on reduced covers. You know these industries have never made much money. A lot of people are in it for the love of the game. Mm. Uh, and, you know you can see a lot of you know all all through both the you know the um, you know, the high end restaurants, the, the mid range restaurants, the um, you know right across hospitality, clearly in sporting events. You know you, you really struggle for those. And then you you look across the high street and you know, people who know that industry better than I do you look to see and think, you know, people have actually carried on shopping in the lockdown. And, you know, it probably has brought forward the demise of the high street by five years is what people are saying. And that, that seems, you know, I think the, the thought of going shopping, it was never my bag, if I'm honest, but the thought mm. of going of high street shopping, uh, you know, it comes with added added obstacles to, to get people to do it. Uh, and commercial property, you know, we look at our, our needs. We were, you know, we've got a business in Manchester, we, we've got a building in Manchester that can hold a thousand people. Probably got I don't know eight hundred odd people in, in the Manchester office. We were starting to plan for our next office space. Now we just realised that that office can hold two thousand people, or actually, you know, two thousand half people, uh, as people do a, a work from home accommodation mm. to to being in the office. So you know, all of a sudden, commercial property's got twice the capacity. In office space that you know that it previously had for many businesses, not all businesses, so that that clearly impacts on, on, on demand out there and some of these you know, commercial property landlords will be owning retail uh, and,
0: and and you know suffering on on that side as well yeah so I suppose we've got the um, we've got the real economy and lots of things to worry about or or feel optimistic in certain pockets there and then we've got the stock market and, and financial assets, which is obviously you know a big part of what the AGbel business deals in. Looking at your numbers for the, the half year to March, well, I think your customer numbers and your profits were up quite considerably. And subsequent to that, the stock market rally. I sort of don't get the sense uh, all the time. And obviously we're talking very general terms in aggregate terms, uh, but I don't get the sense necessarily that investors are as worried about some of these fundamentals. I mean, to take one example, I mean, your, I mean the AJ Bell shares were trading something like more than 50 times their trading earnings at the time of your, your half years i mean do you do you get a sense that there was some complacency out there or is it is it more accurate to say you know that aj bell's good run only really speaks to one small subset of, of the situation and people who are able to invest at the moment
1: yeah i think uh, you look at the you look at our business within a platform sector i think the platform sector the the market is very positive about lots of structural growth Angles for that that investors can really look at and say, you know what I can see this business you know growing and growing and growing there's, there's economies of scale to be had all the way through, so we've all done very well out of this, and I think there has been a, there's been a flight to quality so the the you're the bigger you're the bigger beasts out there have, 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 have done better because I think people you you need that confidence in in these fragile times that they want you you clearly want the platform to be there in five ten fifteen twenty years' time um, I think other other financial um, businesses, I think have, you know, have done okay. I think it yeah, really depends in the sector. I think I think the real advantage we have as a platform is when the market gets wobbly and people get nervous, uh, they don't leave us. If you're if you're an asset manager, then people tend to sell and go away. Whereas with us, they might sell, but the money stays on the platform, mm-hmm. and often you get you get enhanced trading activity as well. So we have lots of buffers in our business model uh, that, that I think investors quite like. So. Yeah, you know, it is. Uh, you know, I would say that you know our share price is something I, I leave the market to to worry about. I just get on with running the business. The only thing I would say about you know, the half-year results is they were it was a, it was a six-month period of of, of a five-month period and a one-month period. Hmm. Uh, and you know, the next six months, uh, you know, up to the end of September, is probably going to be a one-month period and a five-month period. But still, you know, as I said before, your new business very strong, um, and you know, the yeah to the rest of the financial sector i think that you know is you know, different different models clearly have different uh have different attractions
0: just turning to one of those buffers the ability is supposed for a platform to attract a deposit base which which is not necessarily going to leave the platform even if it sells out of a, a stock or whatever so some analysts have suggested that, that lower interest rates are going to pose a considerable revenue headwind to aj bell in the coming years So specifically in relation to the way you uh, you hold deposits on on behalf of your customers is, is that a fair uh, a concern to have and, and how, how do you manage things if um if we if we had some people believe to to negative interest rates
1: yeah i think it, it, it first aim to say there is a there is a revenue headwind if if interest rates are lower than if interest rates are higher i think it's been a, a model that we've adopted for for many a long year and you know many in the industry adopt that adopt that model um the you know i think I, I think yeah and the analysts have got that factored in, so if you look at any any forecasts out there they' yeah, they're well aware of, of what the impact is and uh, I would say that we're at you know an all time low in interest rates and, and they are clearly factored into any any forecasts already out in the market at the moment uh, so there shouldn 't really be any surprises in in relation to well, actually unless the surprise was uh, negative interest rates mm. and i think you know I think one of the challenges when you look at negative interest rates is operationally how do people uh, deal with that. I, I would say platforms are probably in a better place than than most. We have we have mechanisms for for charging on all assets, often quite sophisticated charging, uh, IT systems behind uh, behind us. And there's no reason why we couldn't uh, charge for cash if 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 that became the if that became the requirement. The, you know, the fact is is that people don't come to firms like us to to hold cash on the balance sheet. The, sure. the cash normally is there either you know pending payments as a pension. Uh, or pending investment dividend money that sits there pending pending reinvestment, or as a very short term uh, harbour for safety, where where the markets get all rocky and, and people people jump out and the interest rate becomes irrelevant. There, it's just hiding from the market. So I think I think people understand the way the you know, the way the deposit accounts work in in our world. And you know I think all, all you would find that if uh, if we did move to negative interest rates, I think you would find people just. Searching a bit harder for for low risk
0: investments yeah. as an alternative to cash. Sure. Another big picture, a highly highly speculative question here, but um, an interesting one nonetheless. I think is that um, if, as some people are warning, that we we're, we're entering, you know, prolonged economic depression potentially that that might you know might last several years. We don't we don't know at this stage. What do you think this might mean for the the trend of DIY uh, investing? Do, do you think there could be potentially any sort of any increase in reluctance or fear, you know, and and particularly given that that recent years where this has been such a a big tailwind for businesses like yourselves, we've seen, you know, generally quite strong equity markets and propped up by QE and and, and all the rest of it. If we're heading to a serious period of economic stress and that ends up being reflected in financial markets, does that check that um, secular drive that that so many people see with investment platforms?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure it does, to be honest, because I, I think you've got to start by what drives people to come to a platform. And that's because they realise they need to look after the future for themselves. They can't rely on the state to do that. So once you've actually got over that hurdle and said, I need to do something, then, you know, a platform is now the it, it's the it's the investment. You know, it's it, it, it's it's where people go as a matter of choice. There are there are really no alternatives mm. uh, Play as a platform, but eventually you know people will say actually it's just about which platform I want to use and then really, when people enter the, the investment platform world i'm not sure they have any preconceived ideas uh, as to what the level of return you know should be i think I, I think they just look and say you know, are there opportunities there i think I think the beauty of platforms like ours were you were agnostic as to the type of investment people choose so you've got the full range uh, of you know UK stocks, we've got overseas stocks, we've got, we've got active funds, we've got passive funds, uh, government bonds, corporate bonds. Uh, you know, somewhere in that, no matter what the state of the economy is today, there's always, there's always an outlook that's more positive than negative mm. on some part of that. And therefore, the only challenge you might say is, you know, will it get to the point where people don't have the confidence to invest anymore? Mm. Um, and you know we also have an advice platform as well, so we find that you know for those people who get to that point, their assets may grow and think actually I'm now ready for an advisor. Then there's a natural seamless transition over to just go and appoint an independent advisor and let them and let them manage it for them. So you know I, I think really the driver for us it's almost not what the investment outlook looks like because that's yeah. always a you start here today and it's you know it's what the outlook is from here today, um, even in a you know fairly pessimistic. Uh, assessment of what that might look like. There will still be opportunities to make money, undoubtedly, in in the stock market and, and wider related markets. For me, it's that it's that driver that really says to people, "I've actually got to look after myself now. I've got i I've got to sort the finances out. I'm fed up having a uh, you know a drawer full of policy documents mm. and paper." I just want to get it all in one place where I can, you know, I can log on through my phone. Uh, I'm not going to do an awful lot with it. We give lots of investment tips, as you know. We, are, You guys are, are in the investment tip game, really. But, you know, what we will do is for those people who are not looking for, you know, uh, equity investment tips, more looking for just a portfolio of funds that, that looks like it, you know, it would stand scrutiny by any financial advisor looking at it. it it's that, yeah, you know, that's our mindset for the sort of customers that, you know more and more of our new customers are what we call hungry for help and nervous newcomers that are coming in Mm. and they're really you know they're not investments certainly not investment hobbyists like many of your readers will be the more people again they've just gone through that journey that says you know i want to get in and out of this quickly it's not something i want to spend my days doing i just want to put a portfolio together and really be able to leave it and come back every six months or so
0: just to find a more handy and, and I suppose it's just a, a, I suppose a common area of interest for retail investors is that, you know, the last few weeks and months, we've seen a large rise in equity raisings with retail investor participation, you know, including in that some pretty large blue chip companies. Um, I know you've, I know you've spoken a bit about this, um, before and, you know, without wanting to sort of paint you into being a, you know, a champion of it or otherwise. Do you, do you think that companies can realistically claim to? Exclude smaller share- shareholders from this point on because I mean we've you know it's it's been shown that it can be it can be done you know it may you may not be able to raise as much money as you, as you want but do you think this is the, the new standard now?
1: Uh, well, I think it should be. I think the you know, evidence uh, is very clear that retail shareholders are treated as second class shareholders uh, when it comes to um, you know, to equity raisings. You know, when we IPO back in December 2018. Uh, probably a year before we set the the wheels in motion for that, and we decided we want to re, we actually decided we want a retail element to our IPO. The amount of obstacles and hurdles we had to we had to jump through, it felt like the whole system was actually against it, and we kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and eventually we got there. And it, 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 I think it's proved very successful for our customers who were allowed exclusive access to the shares, but also been very good for us in that you know having retail shareholders is good. It provides liquidity. They've been very very loyal as well so it's not like they came in you know and sold out on the first day when a big profit hit you know actually they, they stayed with us all all along and i think you know companies really have got to drive it i think that people tend to blame the banks and say well the banks are are almost encouraging companies not to do it the problem we've had over over recent weeks has been been lack of time you know the companies have needed money desperately uh they've gone to the banks our ipo was planned for over a year these accelerated book bills they're done in two hours and trying to corral, uh, you know, we can't we can't place an order as principal. So the only way we can do it is to is to get a message out to our our customers at close a play. Uh, sometimes they're done in open market hours, as you know, but often it's done, you know, close a play announced, and then we've got a couple of hours to to put it all together. And there are fairly tight limits as to how much money can go to can go to retail as well. So you know, it feels like the you know, the cards are stacked against the retail investor. In in this world, and I think you know it's gonna it's gonna need probably companies to realise that that retail investors are a force for good, Uh, and you don't just want the the slightly weaker raisings to be put in front of the of the retail investor. You want them to get access to them all. Uh, I think I think the investment banks have got to realise that it's part of their duty to to make sure that that retail investors are considered. I think companies have got to take the final responsibility because I guarantee if the company says. I want this to go to retail it will go to retail and it's only when typically the conversation goes well it's going to be a lot easier if we don't involve retail and the company says okay well we won't involve retail and that's the way the conversation tends to go i think the regulator could carry on nudging people in the right direction to say this is what they expect and equally platforms like ourselves need to do our bit in having the it to be able to facilitate these things so you know, it feels like we're moving in the right direction. Uh, it's not right that retail shareholders are, are not treated exactly the same uh, as institutional shareholders, but I, I, can, I can understand the logistical uh, and practical reasons why why that's been the case.
0: Andy, thanks really for your time this afternoon. It's really good to talk and, um, yeah, all the best for the months ahead. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,